Let's go to John 15 today. John chapter 15 and also 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much today for your goodness, your kindness, your love toward us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit now who is our teacher, who is our guide, who is our helper in all things. And we believe that you're at work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. So thank you for the word of God coming to us now to trim, clean, prune, to help us to become more fruitful for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Uh, the Lord has dealt with me a number of months ago concerning this subject of being fruitful for God that we've called Picked to Produce. And then we've been in this series for a number of weeks now. Um, but it's one of those things the Lord just kept bringing this scripture back to me, back to me again and again. And I knew that he wanted to uh, have us have an understanding and not only just have knowledge, but to implement these principles and these um, godly traits in our lives so that we can be more fruitful and productive for him. So we don't waste our time and our lives here on the earth. Many people do. Man, just so self-centered, just so focused on their interests and their uh, needs and everything that they never really accomplish anything good in life and have nothing literally to look back on when they get to the end of their life and, uh, and see something that they've done of great value. But the Lord has called us most definitely to be fruitful, not only in this day and this time, but fruit that remains forever. This is what Jesus said here in John 15. Let's read verse 16. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. And so this is God's plan from the beginning. He picked us for a reason, not just to be with him, not just to be in his family, but so that we could be um, producers of fruit for his kingdom. Amen. God has chosen not to do most things directly. He has chosen to do them through an open person through an individual who is willing and accepting of his, of his uh, directives and his, of his word. And, and that's you, that's me. Amen. And what a, what a privilege to be a part of something great. Let's look at Second Peter now again, chapter 1. Second Peter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so we've been taking some time um, over the last few weeks looking at some of the individual characteristics that we should all have implemented in our lives because the Bible tells us very clearly, this is not, not confusing at all, but if you will have these components to your life, you will be fruitful. Your life will not be a waste. <laughs> you will do some great things in your life. And here's, the, here's another perk, you never fall. You don't have to stumble. You don't have to go and repent every other month and get right with God. You don't have to have everyone pick you back up again and again and again because you simply won't fall. You won't have need of that. That's appealing to me. Now, if I'm down, I want to get back up. I want help getting back up. I want to be picked up. I'd just rather not fall in the first place. 
rather not stumble. And I'd rather have something to show for my life uh, when I get to the end um, that's going to last. And that's what God has called all of us to, to be fruitful for Him. Now, if you've looked ahead, you've seen what's coming next. Anybody know what's coming? We want to talk today about this issue, this subject of being godly. All right? The Bible says that we should add godliness to our lives. All right? Well, what do we mean godliness? What, what does it mean to be godly? That's not one of those words that you have to really get really deep into the original language and, 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 and have to, you know, have a lot of deep insights to understand. It's very simple. It's face value. The word godly simply means to be like God. All right? A godly person is godlike. They have characteristics about themselves that are just like what is true about God. That sounds pretty desirable. Sounds like something that should be the norm among God's family. But it's basically being like God. And you know, from the very beginning, God always has always and already designed that we would be this way. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll read that God said that, that we would be made in His image and according to His likeness. I mean, it is God's plan that we be like Him. And the truth is, He created us like Him. That's hard for some people to imagine. They say, what? I wonder what God's really like. He's like you. He's like me? He's like you. He's like me. Why is He like us? Because He made us to be like Him. If we are made in His likeness, then God and y'all... That was for Pastor Mickey. (laughs) Are very much the same. And godliness should be a normal part of anyone who knows him and who walks with him. Again, from the beginning, even in our physical, emotional, spiritual creation, we were made to be like God. Now, I know sometimes that, that, that makes some people nervous. That makes especially some who've been taught certain things about God nervous because there is such a prevalence of sin consciousness and low esteem. And, and many people, again, not just in the world but in churches, view themselves as so very low. They see themselves as unworthy and, and, and just nothing good about us. And God is just like way out there and we are so far removed because we are like really bad. And for you to say that we are like God or even that God is like us, that almost sounds like we're, a, you know, we're stepping into his territory. <laughs> that that, that, that we're, we're trying to make ourselves something that we're not. But that was his idea. Those were his words that we would be made in his likeness and in his image. And no, this is something that uh, Satan really doesn't like either. In fact, that was his goal. If you read Isaiah chapter 14, you'll find that he, he said when he, before his fall, he was Lucifer. He said, I will ascend above the stars of God. I, I, I will be like the most high God. And he took a fall. He got the boot. What was his goal? He was going to be just like God. And here God came along and said, I'm going to make a whole bunch of people just like me. Oh, that really teed him off. Oh, and he went after us. 
and they're still going after us, and tries today to keep the knowledge of God-likeness away from all of God's children. And it is working in many circles. People have this low view of God's creation. But yet, and, and I realize this, that we have sinned and come short of God's glory, and there's no sin in God. There's no darkness in Him at all. But still, this is God's language that we are like Him. I know mankind fell, and in that regard, we've been separated. We are different from Him in that respect. But then Jesus came took our place and now the language we see in the new testament again is quite amazing about us we've been created in righteousness and true holiness first john said that as he is so are we now in this life we're that way now we are the children of god and see, these are the things that God says about us. And for us to adapt that thinking, that mentality, to have that image of who we are, man, that's God's desire. But you know, Satan hates it. Oh, we'll fight against it. And for someone to use that language, oh, he will stir up the religious forces and, and everything else to say, you can't say that. And there's some great fear out there about people... Um, accidentally you know stumbling into this thought that they are god i don't know have you ever been confused about that i, I, I haven't even for a second i've never thought that i was god but i do want to adapt biblical t- terminology and say i am like him i'm born of him i'm made of the same substance that he is you see Our relationship with God is not so far away like many have in their mind that God is way up here and we are way down here. We're just hugely separated. No, God is way up here and we are right there underneath him. God created us that way so we could relate to him and have fellowship with him. It's not the same as you and your dog. You know, how fellowship. But many people see it, see it, the relationship with God that way. They're so far removed. Now, I have a relationship with our dog. But it's very limited. You know, the, the communication, you know, nice dog. Bad dog. <laughs> Whatever, you pet the dog, he wags a tail, he licks, and you say, don't lick my face, and that kind of stuff. That's about it. You know, he's excited when we come home. Uh, but that's about it. That is not a picture of our relationship with God. How many understand? All right. The way that God created us was not, again, so far removed. He's way up here. We're way down here. But no, he created us right beneath him. Right beneath him. And that's a mentality that we do need to have, especially if we're going to add godliness. We must see it. Well, that's what I, how I was created. I was created like him. I was designed to be like him, to think like him, to relate to things like he does. And if that's my potential, I can do this. Everybody with me? All right. And so... I was thinking about other words that would help me understand what it means to be godly. I was thinking of the word kingly. You know, if, if you say this is a very kingly person, that means they're 
like a king. They have king qualities, characteristics about themselves. We use sometimes the word manly. Right? If a if a if a man is called a manly man, a manly man, well, what are we what are we saying? He carries the characteristics of a man, right? As opposed to like a girly man. <laughs> but how many know if that were the case? If if a if a guy desi- desired to be manly, he would have to have a clear picture of what a man was that's a problem in our day because if he didn't know what a man was supposed to look like how could he attain to being manly he could adapt to a false image likewise it's true when we want to be godly we absolutely must have an understanding of God's character and nature and how he is and how he thinks and what he does If I don't have a clear picture of what God is, who He is, what He's like, I cannot attain to godliness and have it be the real deal. You know, it's like um, the terrorist attack years ago on 9-11. Those people apparently thought they were doing something for God. They they probably thought they were being godlike, godly. Well, they don't know God. They have a severe, warped, view of what God is like or they wouldn't be killing people thinking they're being like him isn't that crazy that's how essential it is for us to have a clear view and image of God and who he is and what he is like and so uh, the Bible tells us you don't have to turn there but Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 it says therefore be imitators of God as dear children we are told to follow him to imitate God. I mean, that's quite an amazing thing. I, I don't know. Some people have used this almost in a negative sense. If you've ever been accused of this, way to go. But people have said, oh, you're just, you're just acting like God. You're, you're just acting like Jesus. You know what you should say? Say, praise God. Thank you so much. I've been trying for that my whole life. I've been striving to act like and to be just like him. And if I'm sounding like him, good. Yeah. If I can confuse you and you for a moment think, is that? Then I've succeeded. Because you know when it actually gets to us, we're going to say, no, worship him. But if we accidentally sound too much like God... We act like him, we think like him, we conduct business like him, we do a run a, we take care of our families and everything like him. Man, no greater compliment. I'm an imitator of God. We should all seek that. What is that? That's being godly. It's being God like. Let's go over to First Timothy chapter four. I think that one of the worst commentaries about someone or something is that they are one thing but look like something else. You know, if you have a dog that looks like a cat, <laughs> something's wrong with that dog. You know what I'm saying? If you've, if you've got a horse and it looks like a cow, that's not a good horse. <laughs> You know what's worse than that? 
is if you've got a godly person that looks like an ungodly person. Man, there's something wrong there. That's, that, that's something seriously wrong. We want to make sure that what God created us to be, by, by right of our physical creation, and what He made us to be now in Christ, that we look the part. Amen. I don't want my dog meowing, my cat barking, <laughs> my, my horse mooing. I don't have a horse, but I had a horse. Mooing, you know. And I don't want to be a child of God that doesn't look like one. It looks like a child of the devil. The Bible uses this language frequently throughout Scripture. Godly, ungodly. What is that? It's like God, and it's the opposite of God. It's, it's, it's not like Him. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, you know, we see this a lot in our day with, uh, with gender. You got a man who looks like a woman or a woman who looks like a man. That's not a compliment. <laughs> Dude, you're looking really pretty. <laughs> I think there ought to be no confusion. And that shows how our world is, is, is warped. Everything wants to be confused and blended. Make everything the same. Make no distinction between one or the other. No there needs to be distinction in many areas of life. And one of those is godliness and ungodliness. Here we go. First Timothy 4 and verse 8. It says, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, this puts godliness on the top shelf for me. I see tremendous benefit. God himself said inspired, in the inspired word of the Lord that godliness would profit us. That we would actually profit or benefit from living a godly life, not only here and now, but there and then. I'm going to profit on both sides of this thing. What I do now, I'm going to continue to reap reward and benefit forever. I mean, that should be a powerful incentive to anyone who has vision beyond a week. That I can do things today and it will result in perpetual and ongoing gain for my life. I mean, we understand that with retirement and things like that. People put money into 401ks and all that stuff to save up for later. It doesn't benefit them at all today, but later I'm going to be able to benefit from what I save up. God has given us a way. He said, if you will be godly, godlike, your life now will be way better. And your life then will be way better. You will reap rewards from it. The Amplified Bible reads it this way. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds promise for the life, for the present life, and also for the life which is to come. And so the, the, the scope and magnitude of this promise should be desirable by any rational person. That if I will live godly, it is similar to 
the benefits of a of physical exercise. How many know, just real simple, if you take care of your physical body, if you work it out, if you exercise it, you're going to get temporary but honest and true gain from it. You are going to be better off if you take care of your physical body. But not forever, because your physical body is going to die eventually, and it's not going to matter what you did with it at that point. But now, here, during these many decades that we're alive here on the earth, you're going to benefit from your physical body being exercised. But if you'll be godly, you're going to benefit in everything. Not just one area. In everything. Here and now and there and then. That's really desirable to me. That means if I'll be godly, I'll even benefit physically? Oh, yeah, well, in everything. You mean if I'll be godly, like I'll have a better marriage? Well, yeah, that would be con- you know, included in everything. You mean if I'll be godly, I'll make more money? Well, of course. He said it would profit you. It's profitable to be godly. You mean if I'll be godly, my business will do better? Well, of course. You mean if I'll be godly, I'll be like a better skier? Of course. You mean if if I'll be godly, like I'll I'll be smarter? Yeah. You mean I'll sleep better? Of course. You mean my church will be better? Well, yeah, of course. Everything. Nothing is left out. You know, it, it's very common for us to be have tunnel vision in certain areas. We think like our physical health is completely wrapped up in our diet and our exercise. If I will eat the right nutrients and exercise, then I will have perfect physical health. That's not true. There is much more involved in it than that. And I'm not saying to exclude that. He said the bottle, the physical part, is necessary or is beneficial. It's profitable. But he said godliness would profit you in everything. That includes physically. You know, if you'll be godly, you'll be healthier. I've known people who've given extreme attention. I mean, it, they lived for health stuff, physical stuff, and died in their 50s. And you would think, well, what did they do wrong? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know from a, from a natural side, I would say they probably did nothing wrong. But that's not all there is to it. Life is much more than just some of the physical things. And let's not be caught up in that where we put all of our faith and trust in just natural stuff. But being godly, man can save your life, cause you to live long. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better employer, employee. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better child of God. You represent Him well. Amen. Godliness profits us in everything and in every way as opposed to some of the physical exercise which just helps us you know it does but it helps us for a while and uh, what do you consider to be profitable behavior everyone's trying to profit everyone's trying to benefit from their their actions the things they give their life to and their time to Uh, everyone's trying to get ahead but what do you do many people because of their strong desire to succeed and to get ahead they'll they'll manipulate Man, they'll deceive. Man, it's amazing how much manipulation even happens in, in Christian marriages. How people will manipulate each other and just do things that are so ungodly. You got to know it's not going to work. You got to know you trying to force your spouse to act a certain way and to do what you want them to do is not going to work. Because even if you t- temporarily get them to comply, it's, you're not going to end up happier. It's not going to be fulfilling. 
it's going to be a short-term train wreck. Come on now, let's, let's trust the Word of God. Godliness works. If you will do the godly thing, what do I mean? If you will act like God would, it, that will profit you. It'll help in every way and in everything. It's always the best route to go. Never, never, never is there an exception. Well, in this time, I'm kind of going to bend the rules. I'm going I'm to just change. I think there's an exception here. I've just got to, you know, tell a little white lie. And, and uh, you know, the, the lies are not color-coded in the Bible either. You know, lie level orange. No, it's just godly or it's ungodly. And if it's ungodly, it will not profit. But if it, but if it is a godly thing, it will benefit us. We'll will profit from it. But people do all kinds of things. They'll manipulate, deceive. They'll step on others to try to get ahead. And everyone's trying to profit in life. Everyone's trying, trying to, to do better. But in God, you know, there's no darkness. There's no lie. There's no deceit. There's no evil in any way. Anything that God is not we should avoid. If we don't, it'll give us trouble in this life. In this life. It'll cause us problems. You know, in the next life, for the Christian, the Bible says it'll be burned up. There'll be no fruit from it. There'll be no eternal reward. For the unbeliever, they'll be judged for it, and it'll be part of their punishment. But for the child of God, we just don't want to waste any of our energy, time, and money on being ungodly. Amen. You know, Psalm 86 and verse 15 reads, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundance in mercy and truth. If that's the way God is, that's the way we ought to be. These are... Anytime you read something that says God is, God said, God does, say that's how I can be more like God. I am by right of what he did. God did this in me. He made me to be like him. But there must be a part in here that I'm supposed to be responsive in, in yielding to, in thinking and acting and approaching life like he does i'll never benefit from being dishonest or unkind from being mean or judgmental or unforgiving never will i benefit but i will always benefit and profit from being honest and kind and merciful and faithful and giving from being like god is can, can you see that it's not complicated it not, it's not real deep it's real simple but godliness will produce much profit in this life. Let's go over to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm, the very first chapter. How can we be godly or act godly, think godly in an ungodly world? We're surrounded by ungodliness. Well, Psalm 1 gives us some insight. Verse 1 reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. We are told very specifically 
just don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, he doesn't say, don't be around the ungodly. If we're ever going to have an influence in this world and be a force for good, then we must be in association with ungodly people. But he said, don't listen to them. (laughs) Yeah, be in their life. Yeah, uh, show the love of God, be there for them, be in relationship, work with them, live next door to them, you know, go to the gym with them, do all this kind of... But just don't listen to them, because it'll ruin your life if you do. How can a person live godly while listening to and heeding the counsel of the ungodly? I cannot have a continual input of ungodly thinking... And then expect to live a godly life. Does that make sense? And too often people are getting a little bit of godly counsel once a week. For some less than once a week. And then every single day they're working with people and 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 watching the tube and or the LCD or (laughs) they're receiving input from ungodly sources and wondering. Why is this not working? Why is this so hard? It's because we're listening to bad counsel. There is a whole lot of ungodly counsel out there. And it's loud. And it's got lights. And it's got music. And it's, it's entertaining. And it sneaks in. And if we don't keep a guard on what we're listening to and what we're receiving, man, it will mess up our lives. Really will. And the thing is about ungodly counsel, it's usually not pure. What do I mean? It's mixed in with good stuff and happy face and warm and fuzzy. And this is right. And this, it's got testimonials with it. Yep, I followed this counsel. I followed this plan for my life and my life. And it's mixed in. It's like they say if you're going to give medicine to an animal or give poison or something to an animal, you can't just give it to them straight. You know, here, Fido, come here. (laughs) This is good stuff. He'll turn away. But if you mix it in with some good food, if you combine it with something desirable, eat it right up. And we're the same way. (laughs) We're not going to just jump on anything anything pure evil you know the devil shows up at your door and says hi i'm the devil (laughs) pitchfork red tail you know (laughs) what i mean i think probably all of us would say um i resist you (laughs) go away you know when i'm not going to listen to you but the way the enemy works in people's lives is by mingling ungodly counsel with stuff that is good with stuff that is right Who are you listening to? What is the manner of life of that person that you're listening to? Is it just a word? Is it just a money-making thing? Or is there actually a substantive life, a pattern that you can follow? In our world, man, people worship and are enamored with, with those who are famous. With Hollywood, with someone has a great, they're a great actor. And their part in the movie makes them look amazing because they're talented and they're using their talent but we set them up on pedestals like oh they're wonderful and if you get a chance to see them or get an autograph it's it's almost like worship and people just admire but you know what that person's personal life so often is in shambles 
That It's nothing you want to emulate, nothing you want to follow. But we blindly think, oh, they're everything. They're just wonderful. I just want their life. And uh, most of the time, that's just not right. There's so much ungodliness there. We're only seeing a little bit of success, but they're on the inside. Man, can you say Charlie Sheen? I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, you see it sometimes. Eventually, stuff comes out. Yeah, there's success. Yeah, there's money. So I say success. It's success in a, in a specified area, in one little area. But God wants us to profit in all areas, not just in a financial way, but that would be included. But in all areas, we can profit with godliness. Let's check the sources of what we're listening to. I'll tell you what, God's word is full of God-like counsel comes from him he tells us how to live how to think how to how to be married how to how to uh, how to act on the job how to conduct ourselves in every arena of life let's get some godly counsel let's watch where we're uh, who we're listening to and i believe we can benefit greatly if we will let's go back to first timothy now i want to show you a couple more things in closing first timothy chapter six first timothy chapter six Notice with me in verse 11. Paul writing to Timothy, But you, O man of God, so not talking to a worldly person, not talking to a, he didn't talk to a saved person, not only that, a leader. But you, O man of God, flee these things, the previous stuff. He said, And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. What did he tell him to do? He told him to pursue godliness. Well, what do you mean? I'm already like God. Well, I think he knew that. I think he, Paul wrote some of the same scriptures that tells us we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. But he told him to go after, to pursue these godlike qualities. That means that if you don't pursue them, you will not overtake them. They will remain elusive from your life. If, if he didn't pursue it, he wouldn't get it. See, this shows me that godliness is attainable by all of us, but will not be achieved by many because people aren't willing to go after it to make it a priority, to recognize its value and importance. And so they coast. But if I'm pursuing, I'm moving forward. I'm going after something with a goal to get it. People pursue all kinds of things in life. They pursue success in many areas. They pursue financial gain. They pursue all kinds of things. And he's not saying that that's an issue, but that's a problem. He said, make this your focus, though. Because if you'll attain these things, you'll get everything else you want and need in life. And that's just, man, that goes back to the ABCs of Christianity. It's called when you get saved, man, stop living for yourself. And stop thinking like this world thinks where everything is about material stuff. Everything is about what I've got to, uh, my personal success in my eyes and in other people's minds, other people's eyes. Start living different where you pursue the things that matter most. They're more so intangible. But if you get those in place, you get the other stuff coming right behind it. 
It's just a complete reversal of order and priority uh, in each of our lives. And if we'll do it God's way, man, things will work. But if I'm not pursuing, we say, man, I'm just trying to build my business. I'm just trying to uh, attain my goals and, 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 and realize my dreams. Fine. Make this more important than anything else you do, though. I'm telling you, God knows how the system works. He knows how things are created. Sometimes people don't, don't realize why God does and says the things that he does. Why does God say that I shouldn't act this way? Why does he say not do this and don't do this? It's simply because he loves us. He created us. He knows how everything works. And he gives us insight and says, if you'll do this, you'll certainly be glad. If you go the other way, I'm telling you, you're going to regret it. It's like if you go up to the ski mountain, the ski hill, and you go up to the top, and you get up to the very top of the mountain, and you look in the back, most of the time at various places, you'll see a fence. And it'll say, ski area boundary. What are they telling you? Don't go over there. Well, why? How rude. I mean, they're encroaching on my freedoms, my liberties. I, I should be free to ski or board wherever I want. I'm an, I'm an American. Land of the free. I should be able to go wherever I want. Yeah, but why do, they do, why do they tell you that? Because they want to ruin your day? They want to take all the fun away from you? No, you're actually paying them to be there. They want you to have fun. They want you to be happy. But they want you to be happy today and tomorrow. And they know if you go down that way, um, if you live, you have to walk back. There are no lifts. But the other thing, there might be a cliff, the rocks, there's all kinds of things. If you go, on, go down that other way, that are gonna, they're going to cause you problems, going to eat your lunch. And God, in his wisdom and love and mercy, says, go this way. Act like this. Only say these things. Don't let your mind be on this junk. Think like this. Oh, Lord, well, I don't want to. I, want to th- this, I like to think this way. Well, okay, go ahead. All things are lawful. Not all are helpful. And he'll let us do whatever we want. All right, one more. 1 Timothy 4. So he said, pursue godliness. And now this this last verse. This is the verse that precedes the verse we read earlier about bodily exercise profiting a little. Verse, that was 8. This is verse 7. It says, but reject profane and old wives' fables. That's just simply uh, godless myths, superstitions, things that lack credibility. We might even say ungodly counsel. He said, reject that garbage, that junk, and exercise yourself toward godliness. That's a powerful statement. First, exercise your spouse towards godliness. Is that what it said? Make sure that they act right, that they become more spiritual, more God. No. Not, didn't say exercise your spouse, didn't say exercise your neighbor, anyone else. Exercise your self. So it's all something that we must do. This is not God's part. He made us like Him. And in Christ, He created us like Him. 
But knowing that and having that understanding, it enables, it empowers us to now exercise ourselves toward that reality. Does that make sense? But I still must do the exercising. I don't know about you, but I've never accidentally ended up at the gym. (laughs) Or I kind of came to myself, I thought, wow, I've been working out the last two hours. (laughs) Or I came to myself and realized, I just ran five miles. (laughs) That kind of stuff doesn't happen on accident. You know, the only way you're going to exercise yourself physically is if you are intentionally going to exercise discipline and self-control and, you know, uh, decide, I am going to go work out, I'm going to go exercise my physical body. And if you'll do that, like we saw, we see in the next verse, well, that'll, it'll benefit, you'll benefit from that in a physical way. But the same thing is true with godliness. And exercising ourselves toward godliness, it doesn't happen on accident. I'm not just going to become more godly, godlike, accidentally. I'm going to stumble upon it. Well, here I am all of a sudden. Wow, I'm just more spiritual than ever before. I, I act like God. I think like God. I live. No, if I don't exercise myself toward it, I will not become it. Amen. And you can see other truths here when you see the parallel. Exercise sometimes isn't fun exercise sometimes takes effort it takes crucifying the flesh it it takes a commitment and if you don't commit to it it's easy to quit and if you don't exercise yourself toward godliness you will not become more godly and therefore you will not be profiting in this life in everything and in the life to come So what have you done lately that's been uncomfortable? Man, this is just easy. Everything is just easy. Well, you're missing something then. Because exercise is not easy. Whether you're talking physically or spiritually. A spiritual exercise is something you make yourself do. And real simply, that could be a whole message in and of itself. But whether we're talking about prayer, meditating in the Word of God, or acting on what God has said. Being a doer of the word. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. Your flesh doesn't want to obey. Doesn't want to do things for God. It just wants to coast. Kind of coast into church now and then. Coast out of church. Just go through life. You're not becoming more godly. Guaranteed you're not. It is something where you must grab yourself and say... I am going to act on the Word of God. I am going to exercise myself toward godliness. And then in a process, we begin to look like what we are. We begin to talk like, think like, sound like what God created us to be. And the dog stops meowing. Hmm. The cat stops barking. We start acting and sounding like God. Man, you sound just like God. Praise God. I'm created in His righteousness and true holiness. He made me to be like Him. Amen? God's working that in us. but We've got to connect with Him. We've got to yield to Him. And we've got to take intentional effort to get where we want to go. Amen? Father, we thank you today for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit working 
out godliness in us. We believe that you're at work today. Oh, to will and in us now to will and to do of your good pleasure. You enable us. You strengthen us. You give us your grace to succeed. But Lord, we yield to it now. Thank you for helping us to move forward. Not be trapped and tripped up by the ungodly counsel of our world and of our day. We listen to you. Lord, you speak to us. We hear. We obey. We listen to you and you show us the way. And thank you for the amazing promise that everything is covered in this life and that which is to come. So we exercise ourselves towards these things now. In Jesus' name, what a good God you are. Give you all the glory and praise. Thank you, Lord. Father, for